You're listening to the Benton Heights Presbyterian Church Podcast. We hope this message brings you encouragement and helps to build your faith in Jesus. We're glad you're here to listen to this message from Pastor Paul. Hey, this is our third sermon in a series from the Gospel of John, and we're going to be starting in chapter 1, verse 35, which is about understanding God's will for your life. Here we are on a Sunday, the day of Jesus' resurrection. We are a Christian church, which means we are being joined by Christians the world over. And Christianity is the biggest movement of any kind in the history of the world. Nothing is as big as the church of Jesus Christ. A few billion people on earth today are followers of Jesus, and they comprise all nations, all languages, all tongues, all cultures. A question to ponder today, where did it all start? And it's amazing that something so significant had such a simple beginning. Today we see the beginning of Jesus' public ministry calling his first followers, his first disciples. Now, usually on a Sunday morning, I do a verse-by-verse breakdown of the passage. But today, I want to read the entire passage, a few brief comments, but then come back and just see portions of the text from there. So this is the beginning of our passage for today. The next day, John, now this is John the Baptist. If you remember, we've talked about the fact that there are several people named John in the Bible, and actually, you'll hear three of them today. The next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. Now, we know for sure that one of those is Andrew, because it'll say that in the text in just a moment. The speculation is that the other one is John, the author of this gospel. When John the Baptist saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, you will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. So upon first meeting him, Jesus changes his name to Peter. Uh, That's a big deal. Well, the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. (laughs) Nazareth? 
Can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. I mean, think of this rural, dumpy, hick town. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. That's the account of the early ministry of Jesus. So how does it all start? They come to Jesus. He gathers his first followers, and what he doesn't do, he doesn't tell them, he doesn't unveil to them the entire plan. I think Jesus knows that would be a bit overwhelming. Jesus, what's the plan? Well, let's see. I'm going to go water skiing without a boat. I'm going to cast out some demons out of some guys. I'm going to have a verbal fight with some religious guys. Oh, and ultimately, I'm going to die, but I'm going to come back to life, and eventually, there'll be people in jeans wearing clothes with buttons that are going to sing songs about me. Now, all that happened, but instead of laying all that out there, Jesus says something very simple. He says, follow me. That's where it starts. So the first big idea is this. It's a come and see ministry. Most of you that are Christians know that you should be doing ministry, but when you think of ministry, you're thinking of someone like a pastor or full-time missionary, right? Let me just say this. One of me is enough. You know that. We don't need two of me. What most people do for ministry is not preach and teach and study and write and debate. Most ministry for most of God's people is going to simply be this. You're living a life as a Christian and you're inviting other people to come and have a relationship and do life with you. That's ministry in its purest, simplest form. And that's where Jesus starts. He says, come and see. Come and hang out with me. And let's work on this relationship. That's Jesus' invitation. And the amazing thing is, you can do this too. Now, some of you may think, well, I don't have anything to share. I don't have anything to teach anybody. You may not understand how much God has done in your life. You may not understand what your life would look like if Jesus weren't in it. Maybe you're an individual who has gone through some tough things, but you relied on Jesus and that's gotten you through. Maybe you're a couple or a family who prays together. Maybe someone else sees you forgive one another. Maybe they see you raising your kids by loving them and not abusing them. 
All of that is the kingdom of God showing up and showing off in your life, and that's your ministry. You know, sometimes all this is, is as simple as, why don't you come to church with me? Or why don't we, why don't we have a meal together? Why don't our kids, why don't we get them together and do a play date? Come and see. Some of you don't understand that the life you're living is so appealing and so compelling. And the people who have yet to taste and see that the Lord is good, they are starving for hope. Jesus' ministry starts with come and see. Then as Jesus is calling the disciples to himself, meaning they are becoming followers of him, what I want you to see is that Jesus is the only path to salvation. We're going to learn when we get to John 14, verse 6, in a few months as we keep going through John's gospel. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there's only one way to heaven. There's only one path to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one path to heaven, but many paths to Jesus. Uh, and look at the testimony of different people. How did you get to Jesus? Or, or maybe better yet, how did Jesus get to you? Let's do a case study of each of the characters as they appear in this passage. First, there's John the Baptist. Now, he's not technically one of Jesus' disciples, but these other people whose names we'll see again in just a second, these are the ones who make up Jesus' beginning of his ministry. They were first John's followers, John's disciples. He gathered them, but then he gives them to Jesus. John the Baptist is the greatest man who's ever lived in the history of the world. Jesus says, of course, not counting Jesus. And look at how John operates. He says, hey, guys, I, I gathered you together, but it wasn't for me. It wasn't about me. It was so that you could meet Jesus. The whole point of your life is to follow him. John had this great outlook. The people didn't belong to him. They belonged to Jesus. People don't belong to pastors or churches or denominations. Ultimately, people belong to Jesus, and he'll use you wherever he has planted you. Now, the first guy who Jesus really gathers as a disciple is Andrew. He's the brother of a guy named Peter. How does Peter end up being a follower of Jesus? Well, his brother Andrew goes and gets him and says, hey, Come meet Jesus too. For how many of you, that's your story. Someone in your family met Jesus and they came to tell you all about it. Maybe they brought you to a, a youth group. They brought you to church. They bought you your first Bible. For many of us, maybe that's our parents. That they were already a part of Jesus' family of faith and they raised you to want to be a part of it too. That's the story of Andrew. He invites family and co-workers to come meet Jesus. And an amazing thing about Andrew is how 
humble he is. He gets Peter. And for the rest of the New Testament, between these two brothers, who has the most written about him and by him? Peter. He's the dominant character, the dominant personality of these two. Anytime the disciples are listed in the gospel, you know who's listed first? Peter. And Peter is one of three, along with James and John, who are in Jesus' inner circle. And yet all of this is okay with Andrew. He never says, hey, I got here first. Peter, if it weren't for me, you'd still be mending nets in our fishing business. None of that. He's just willing to be a servant in a more quiet way. But Andrew is so good at bringing people to Jesus. We'll see again when we get to John chapter 6, but at the feeding of the 5,000, remember there's a boy's lunch of five loaves and two fish. Well, guess who brought that boy and that lunch to Jesus? It was Andrew. A little later in John's gospel, in chapter 12, a group of Greeks want to meet Jesus, and Andrew is one of the disciples who relays that information to Jesus. Look, you don't have to be a person in the spotlight. You don't have to be up front to have a significant contribution to make to the kingdom of God. That's Andrew. And according to history, outside the Bible, Andrew will go on to preach for 20 years and apparently reached Greece and Rome. Uh, uh, Russia, I mean. You see, you just never know how God is going to use someone who meets Jesus. They get a new life. They live by a new power. They get a new destiny. And they get to leave a new and lasting legacy. Next guy on the list is John, the author of this gospel. Now, he's not named in this passage. In fact, very rarely does he name himself in any of the stories that he relates. It's believed that he's the youngest of the 12 disciples, so he is also the last living disciple. In addition to this gospel that he writes, there are also three letters in the New Testament that bear his name, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. He is a powerful, significant leader. Everything you need to know about John, you see at the cross of Jesus. Jesus is being crucified, dying in our place as a substitute for our sins. And he looks down and he sees his mom. And he sees John. And he says, John, take care of my mom. That's all you need to know about John. And five times in the gospel, it says that he's the one whom Jesus loves. So this is one of Jesus' nearest and dearest earthly friends. Now next is Peter. It's Andrew's brother. (laughs) What do we know about Peter? Oh, he's a loudmouth. He's impetuous. He's never heard these words. Inner dialogue. Filter. Uh-uh. This is a guy that's going to just tell you what he thinks. 
he starts off a bit of a coward, but he changes because Jesus changes people. He goes on to be a very bold preacher, and he writes first and second Peter. He's always listed first as the leader of the disciples. Again, history outside the Bible records that they come to Peter and said, deny Jesus or we're going to kill you. Peter says, kill me. They say, well, then we're going to crucify you. He says, well, crucify me. But I'm not worthy to die like my Lord Jesus. So if you're going to crucify me, do it upside down. That's Peter. This powerful, bold, transformed person. And it starts with Andrew saying, come and hang out with me, with Jesus. Next guy on the list is Philip. We don't know a whole lot about Philip. Jesus just comes and says, follow me. And he does. He apparently knows Greek, and he preaches to the Greeks, which leads a lot of Greek-speaking people to Christ. Some historians say he made it all the way to France, and his preaching ministry also lasted about 20 years. We don't know a lot about Philip other than he was faithful. Some people are going to get a lot of attention. Some people won't get a lot of attention. But they're just as significant in the kingdom of God. And the last guy is Nathaniel. And this is a guy, it's a little interesting, his story. He evidently doesn't think much of Jesus' hometown. So I'm assuming there was a railroad in first century Israel and Jesus lived on the wrong side. And yet, Jesus actually commends him. He says this to and about Nathaniel. Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. What Jesus is saying is this. I like Nathaniel because he's overt. (laughs) Maybe that's why Jesus had such an affinity for Peter. The opposite of that is covert. Now, there was also one covert guy who was operating in Jesus' band of disciples as well. His name is Judas Iscariot. He stole from Jesus for all three years of his ministry. He plotted against Jesus. He schemed against Jesus. But about Nathaniel, Jesus commends him. And he says, there is nothing false in you. You're honest and forthcoming, and I can work with that. Now, Nathaniel comes to a relationship with Jesus in a way that others didn't. And here's what I want you to see. They're all with Jesus, and they all got there in different ways. How did you get here? Well, I I was just out on a walk, and I bumped into Jesus. How'd you get here? My brother invited me to come along and meet him. How did you get here? Well, I work with this guy, and he invited both of us to come. How did you get here? Jesus just called to me. He invited me to follow. How did you get here? (laughs) I got a miracle. That's Nathaniel's story. Jesus is like, I know you. Nathaniel's like, know me? I've never even met you before. 
And Jesus says, I saw you before you got here. You were by yourself, sitting under a fig tree, thinking about Genesis 28, where God is in heaven, and there is a ladder, and angels of God are ascending and descending on that ladder, and the one you are thinking about is me. I'm here. And Nathaniel's like, wow. And Jesus says, you want to be a part of my team? And Nathaniel's like, yeah. Here's what I'm saying. Everyone's got a different testimony. And let me say this. Sometimes in Christianity, we make people feel bad about their testimony. How many of you have a boring testimony? I mean, like you were the kid who grew up going to Sunday school and church and youth group. But others of you, you went through a whole part of your life where Jesus meant nothing to you. Here's the big idea. Just be glad that you know Jesus, no matter how it occurred. Well, Nathaniel is believed to have preached in India, Turkey, and ancient Armenia. He was crucified, but he finished strong. You see, it doesn't matter how you begin. It matters how you end. Well, the next thing I want to show you is this. Jesus is looking for followers In verse 43, he said, follow me. What does that mean? Well, first, it means Jesus doesn't follow you. Some of you are frustrated with Jesus because he's not very good at following. You're like, Jesus, come on, she wants to date me. And he's like, no, that's not where we're going. He's the leader. This is one of the keys to Christianity. Let me let you in on a secret. You are not in charge. He's the leader. He's the authority. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? This isn't just believing in him. Look, it's great to believe in Jesus, but then for the rest of your life, you need to follow him. Just saying you believe is not enough. Even the demons knew who he was. So what if the only time you used Jesus' name was as a curse word? What if you never opened your Bible and and prayed? What if you never told your kids about Jesus? Is that following him? Here's what I'm saying. Following Jesus means Jesus is the leader. And then what that means about sin is sin is going somewhere that Jesus is not leading you. The key is figuring out your next step. Jesus says, follow me. The Bible also uses this language, walk with the Lord. The first step for some of you is to get a Bible. The second step is to open it. For some of you, it's, uh, I need to pray because I just don't talk to the Lord. For some of you, it's, I I need to figure out what church to attend and, and grow in. For some of you, it's, I've got issues in my life that have been holding me back, and I need to confess them to the Lord so he can direct my steps to move forward. For some of you, it's financial. It's, I need to start giving and being generous 
For some of you, it's I need to invite others to come and see. There's always a next step. Don't let this day go by without asking the Lord what that is for you. And let me close with this. There are only two ways to live your life. Culture up or kingdom down. Which way are you going to let influence you? Is it that you're trying to bring everything about culture up into your life? Hey, this is what everyone's doing. This is just the way of the world, right? Or is it you letting God's kingdom have ultimate say about your life and your worth, your value, your behavior? Let me say this. Every culture will come to an end. And ultimately, the kingdom of God will come down and our king will be bringing his kingdom to this earth. And when our king comes, anything that is disobedient or disregarding of that king, that earthly kingdom will pass away. And ultimately, Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We live our lives where this place may be our residence. But as followers of Jesus, ultimately your eternal citizenship is in God's kingdom. And in that place, there is nothing but joy and love and life. And you are completely forgiven and healed and redeemed and freed. So since our ultimate destination as followers of Jesus is there, we want to start to live for that kingdom here. That means we can put the past things behind us and we can move into a new future. So go ahead and ask, what's the next step, Jesus? We hope you enjoyed the message. You can connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, our website, bhprez.org, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to stay up to date on all our latest content.